Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Boys in Red and White podcast. My name is Tom Dow and I'm joined as always by my best friend Andre Grayson. Hello Mr Dow. It's been so long since I've heard that. Um, obviously I, I when I see you, you, you do do that in person as well, but uh, it's been a long time since I've um, heard it on audio, so that's good. I can replay it whenever I like. How, how like the devil are you? Yeah, I'm, um... <laughs> my ringtone. <laughs> it would work well, actually, because it would alert the callers to who you are, and it would it'd be memorable. Um, I'm, 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 I'm good, uh, basking in the glory of a 5-0 victory that somehow felt flat. How are you? I'm glad you said that, because that's uh, kind of exactly how I'm feeling about things at the moment. Um I think what's important to highlight to to start with is that I I I saw you briefly before the Crystal Palace game on the, on Saturday and we were both talking about our relative experience of of the the, the so-called winter break and you immediately said to me I I felt like I needed it <laughs> like you were quite quite and and I kind of flipped two ways with it because there was the the element of it that I definitely felt like as a club, we needed it. As a fan base, we needed it. But also, I, I kind of felt like I I needed that next fixture just to get the, I suppose, the monkey off our back about the um, the run of form we'd been on. So it was a, it was a bit of a weird one. And then, uh, as you say, it was a very, very flat experience going to the Emirates for, uh, for a 5-0 win, which sounds really odd. But... Um, I'm sure we'll get into that in a, in a lot more detail as the podcast commences. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. No, I, I, I just felt like, you know, because we'll get stuck into it, but the recent results, I mean, starting with, I, I think you almost have to go back to Brighton at home where we won 2-0 and that was as complete a performance as we've seen, I think, in, in recent years. I think we were excellent. I think... You know, we didn't necessarily take our chances, but we got the two goals in the end, Jesus and, and Havertz. And it feels like a lifetime ago, that game. That was that was just over a month at time of recording. It was the 17th of December. That Brighton home game feels like a lifetime ago. I don't, I don't know about you, but we then, we then went from there to Anfield, produced a really good, effective display against... What I felt was quite an ineffective Liverpool side, and I feel like we completely nullified them. And again, I just think we lack the attacking threat in in that game. And then we just had the most bizarre three fixtures, West Ham, Fulham and Liverpool at home. I almost want to write off the cup game. But the two home, you know, the home loss to, to West Ham and then away at Fulham were two very contrasting games. But I think the fact we lost both of them, one where we played well, or at least could have got something out of the game, versus then being absolutely appalling at Fulham. Um, I think that's what left me needing a break because I just I felt so flat after those two, and I didn't expect us to turn it round against Liverpool at home. I just felt like we just it's just you all we lose in threes. We have under Arteta quite a bit, and hopefully this is the only blip we have. But. Yeah, I think that's why I needed the break. Just the flatness and, and the downward trajectory of those three was 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 unpleasant, to say the least. Yeah, that's a pretty good summary of 
of that period. Um, yeah, like you, obviously, like it's, it, it seems like a long time ago where we were top at Christmas and we were realistically thinking about how we were going to see out the campaign in a, in a far different way than uh, than we did last year. And obviously, we've <laughs> we've we kind of imploded quite early this year. And hopefully, it's just a, a small blip. Um, and hopefully, we'll we'll go on and we'll put to, put together a bit of a run of form. But I think. Um, Obviously, we'll talk about the the upcoming games and how that's going to affect us and what we sort of are expecting from that. Uh, but I, I I struggled on Saturday, if I'm honest, and I think most of the ground did because it felt like a. I, I phoned my dad after the game and I said to him, uh, he was just like, "Oh yeah, good good five nil win." And I was just like, "I've never been so bored watching a five nil win." Mm. And I, and mm, I, I I agree. And I, and I felt awful with that mindset. And then I, I, I went and saw my, my friend Brett and he, he he again said to me, oh, that must have been really good to be at. And I was like, no. <laughs> it was it was really flat. It was really quite tedious watching. Um, and it wasn't, it, it kind of like, I suppose it happened in sort of, the, the two goals in stoppage time kind of put a gloss onto the game that made it seem a lot more exciting than it actually was. Um yeah. But that's not to say it wasn't a much-needed performance and a much-needed um, uh, three points. So, yeah, there's obviously positive bits to take from that, as there would be from a five-nil win. But yeah. I think where we should, I think where we should start is probably on the atmosphere um, front that has kind of dominated the Emirates and to an extent the away games as well. Um, throughout the season, so I wanted to get your your perspective on that. Mm. It's really hard to put why it is. I mean, we had a lovely giant scarf in the ground on Saturday as well, so <laughs> I'm not really sure <laughs> why that didn't get everyone going. Um, it's really hard, isn't it? I was I was just looking back to almost the start of the season and trying to get my head around where and why. It's felt like this because I, I remember talking to a um, friend of the podcast, James, probably after Declan Rice's winner against Man U. And we were just going, how many more late winners can we take? How many more moments like this? This is this is so exciting. And I'm wondering if on one hand that the euphoria we've had even this season so just looking through it, we had late winners of the Luton one, which oh, we're going to have to talk about. But Brentford away, um, the Man City at home was a bit of an explosion as well. Um, then we've also got, uh, where else have we had late? Well, the Man U home game. So even this season, we've kind of had three unbelievable late winners that are so euphoric and give you such a burst of energy that I'm wondering if because we've had that those highs, that's contributing to everything else feeling very much mediocre, or whether it's just that none of us believe we can actually win this league and Man City are just inevitable. And no matter how good we are, because I, I, honestly, I think when we dropped two points at home to Fulham, which was the third game of the season, I honestly felt like it turned in that moment. Forest uh, home was good. Palace away, second game of the season, was good. But since then, I honestly think after that Fulham game, we went, well, we can't win the league. We can't win the league. 
because we've already dropped two points against the team we shouldn't. The less said about the fact we picked up one point out of six against Fulham is another story. But yeah. I genuinely think that plays a part. But I'm really struggling with it. Home and away, it's not the same. It's not the same. I've got a couple of other theories, but what what, what do you think? I think um, I think you've you've touched on it quite well in terms of um, the turning point this season, where it did it, it did feel very important, uh, significant. Because I remember texting multiple people, like uh, one of my housemates from university is a Fulham fan, and I texted him and said to him that you, we we can't drop points in those sorts of games. And I felt so flat leaving the game after that Fulham game. Um, and then obviously we factor in, we went there on New Year's Eve and got turned over. And it just, I don't know, this, this just feels like there's too many games that, we've done, that we're going to do that in. Even though we are, as a team, we dominate games so much more effectively mm. than we did last season. And I don't know if that's a factor because we kind of, there is an expectation now that wasn't there last season. And I think we were we were the the underdog so much last year, even though we led the way for so much of the campaign, that we kind of expected to fall short, if that makes sense. And then this year, obviously, like the natural progression from finishing second is you want to have another title charge and hopefully go one step further. And this year, we just... I think those games are just. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm tr- trying to draw parallels to Man City actually, because the way Man City just dominate games, there is that expectation that inevitably they will score. And I think our fan base kind of is feeling like that a little bit as well. And it takes something really exceptional to get us really off our feet and and jump in. Like obviously we we spoke about the Luton game, we spoke about the Man City game, Man United, uh Brentford, and those were all fantastic moments. And I think you are right that I I think as a fan base currently we are waiting for those moments to really explode. Mm. Mm, yeah, it does feel like that. The the other thing I think you touched on it and just to go a bit further, my honest feeling is that last season will live in Arsenal fans' memories for a long, long time. In that it was so special how it all came together. I know it's ridiculous to say this, but you had things like the documentary. You had the the sort of heartache of finishing fifth the season before to Tottenham. And it was just coming together. And it was a young team with our young manager who used to be a player. And can we really do it? can we really do it with this team? And it was so exciting. And every game was just another glance, glimpse of, can we make this happen? And we did. And we kept making it happen until we didn't, you know, but there's also a a bit of a, like people of short minds. Let me tell you, the atmosphere wasn't very good in the ground when we were two nil down at home to Brighton. The away end at Forest, when the league was, feeling like a distant memory wasn't very good either there were plenty of games last season like Bournemouth at home everyone remembers it as being like oh you know stirred us on to the end or Southampton at home where we ended up scoring two the atmosphere was flat in those games like it is people do have a bit of misconception that the Emirates was absolutely raucous and the atmosphere was unbelievable and it, it, it was at times and I think we still see that now you know when there's a mistake 
I remember the Leicester home game last season. Saliba made a mistake and everyone's chanting his name. That still happens. That still happens. People don't boo. It's not toxic. But I think I think it's twofold. I think it's one, I don't think we'll ever match that. Well, not ever. But it, it will take us to lull to come back up to feel how that felt. Yeah. I remember saying to you last season, I was just like, this is just the best thing ever. This is the best season ever. If we go and win it from here, it will be so hard to top this because it just doesn't feel real. Every game felt so oh, just exhilarating. But we're really good now. And the problem with being really good, as you said, is expectation. And if you buy a £105 million superstar midfielder who helps you control games and takes out the, the jeopardy of defensive, you know, of um, in defensive transitions, which was a weakness, we do have a far more controlled style. And I think naturally, Arteta's dream win is 2 0. Yeah. And. <clears throat> He'd like to score one in the first half, one in the second half, have eighty percent possession, and not let the opportunity, you know, xG against is in under point five. Yeah. And I think that style of football is less interesting, but likely to be more successful. So I think it's a balance, and we have to try and educate ourselves at fan- as fans about what we're really trying to do, and find a way to bring back the atmosphere. Yeah, I think I think that's a, a good point. I, I think what is is also really relevant as well is that because we had those three defeats and we've had uh, a uh, a rocky run of form throughout December, everyone is very very quick to just make out like it's a catastrophe. And if you bear in mind that if we beat Forest and then went and beat Liverpool at home. We are right in the title race. <laughs> like it's, it's not like we're miles off. Like we're we're five points off them, and we have to play them in two games' time. Like we are really, really in this, and it's about how we recover from this this run of form. And I think as as fans, our responsibility is that we need to just get behind the team. We need to do what we can to get them back on track and 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 obviously it was flat on Saturday but maybe that was a natural reaction to three defeats in a row um so maybe things will just start to build up again particularly if we get two wins in our next two games then obviously everything feels a lot nicer than it is right now um so I'm I, I'm quietly optimistic uh, that we can have a successful end to this this campaign mm. um i still think i still think man city are going to be the the team ultimately to beat despite liverpool's position at, at the top of the table at the moment um because i think particularly obviously we we heard news yesterday that salah might be out for an extended period of time which would be delightful <laughs> but obviously they've got so many attacking threats that that's not the be and end all but I saw enough when we played them in the FA Cup that we can get out of them. We can we can beat that Liverpool team. Um, so I don't know. I, I suppose we've kind of transitioned now from the atmosphere to the obviously on-field performance. So I think that's probably a, a natural progression in this conversation. Um, so what are your thoughts going into the next couple of games? Obviously, we've got Nottingham Forest um, uh, a week on Tuesday. And then we play Liverpool at the Emirates after that. So what what, what are your thoughts going into those two games? <laughs> I mean, 
We've played Nottingham Forest three times in the last five, six, seven years, and we, we've lost all of them. Yeah. And I'm really worried about that game. I mean, they don't look good, but that doesn't stop us going there and losing. They remind me a bit of Stoke, not not in at all how they play, nor I think are their fan base is remotely similar. I, I respect Nottingham Forest. <laughs> um, Awful fan base. <laughs> I, I don't want that. I don't want that to be the, the takeaway. But in that we just don't seem to be able to go there and play any sort of normal game. I think it would be a huge win for us to overcome, much like Everton was this season. Which again, after yeah. that game, we were euphoric and feels like a distant memory that we went there and won. I, I think it will be massive if we can beat Forest. And to be honest, I, I think if we can't beat Liverpool at home but avoid defeat, I think that's fine. Because I think against your title rivals, you know, it's a bit like if we draw at the Etihad and we've drawn at Anfield and we don't lose to either of them, that shows you how good a side we are. I'd be really disappointed if we don't get, if we don't beat Liverpool. Um, I, I can't expect, I just think we should not lose to Liverpool. I, honestly, I watched them play and they've had some very fortunate performances, Palace away being an example. And we saw what Palace are like, right? But they absolutely got the most ridiculous luck with an IU sending off. Um, against Fulham, they get a very late Trent winner um, amongst a litany of interesting refereeing decisions. I am not seeing a side that I think can win the league. Um, and I, I genuinely believe we're a better footballing side than them. But to your point, I think they've got that bit more attacking threat. Yeah. Uh, For me, they've got a very false position in the league in the, if you look at the statistics, we are by far the lowest on XG conceded by far. Um, Man City are second, Liverpool are third, yet Liverpool have conceded 18 goals to our 20 to Man City's 23. Now, what happened to us last season, and I did feel this, is the underlying data catches up with you. I don't, I don't consider myself too much of a data analyst, but I really believe that. When you watch Liverpool, you can see that they're not this unbelievable swashbuckling team. You can get at Liverpool. You really can get at Liverpool. And not just a team like us. I think most teams can get at Liverpool. And I think, I think it will change. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be the team to capitalise is ultimately the problem. And I yes. do look at the losses home to West Ham and away at Fulham. And I think, I actually think those two results are so damaging in the respect of who they are and some of the fixtures we need to go and play and go and win that ultimately probably cost us the title. And I I really feel like, if we're honest, we all know that, which feeds into the atmosphere piece, which feeds into other things, into other things, into other things. But I, 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 that's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling like six points would be, I, I don't think it's unrealistic for us to go and expect that. Bizarrely, I fancy us more at home to Liverpool than away at Forest. Um, what about you? Um, I, I, just, I just think, I think we're in a period now where we need to make a bit of a statement. Um, I, I'm completely in agreement with you that I think I think it's a tall order for us to go and win the league from this position. Um, mm. But I do think that if we did produce six points from those two games, I think all of a sudden, then you look at us 
slightly differently than you look at us right now. Um, Forest, as you said, a bit of a bogey ground to go to. Um, I'm not overly looking forward to that uh, half seven on a Tuesday night. Um, but, we, but we move. Um, and I think that's... It is a case of taking it one game at a time. Like, it sounds very, very cliched, but we can't really be thinking about, are we going to beat Liverpool on the Sunday if we mm. can't if we can't beat Forest on the Tuesday? Because it, they kind of lead into one another. So it is a case of taking it one step at a time. Um, my feelings towards both of them is that I, I've just got I've just got a feeling we're going to we're going to win both of those. I don't know why. It's not based on anything, um, but I think we're going to be really fired up, particularly for the Liverpool game, having experienced what happened in the FA Cup. Um, I think we're going to be really fired up for that one. Um, and like you say, you're probably looking at the Forest game as looking at that arguably one that's more of a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> going into that period, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, so that's kind of my expectation. I think we've kind of covered the expectations for the season with that, with that statement as well, uh, that, that little segment as well, because I don't think either one of us realistically think we are going to go and win the league. That's mm. probably fair to say, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think we'll be 10 points off. Yeah. Because obviously, like, so, so remind me of the table. So obviously, City are—they've got a game in hand on us, haven't they? Yes, yeah, so um, we're on the same points. Same points, but they've got a game in hand. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's 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 tight at this stage because, like, if 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 and it's a big if we beat Liverpool, then obviously, then it becomes in, in, incredibly tight, and then you never know beyond that stage, but. You look at some of the games we've got left. Obviously, we've got to go to Man City. We have to go to Man United. We have to go to Tottenham. Um, it's it's quite it's it's a tricky run of games we've got to see the, the season through. Um, and and we'll I suppose I suppose one of the things that's talked about, and I've got I think a different opinion to most on this, but a lot of the rhetoric at the moment is around our attacking output and namely targeted at uh, Gabriel Jesus. What's your view on some of this? What's your view on our attacking output? Because I, I do genuinely think all three things are so interconnected. We don't look very threatening and like we're going to score. I, I think that is fair. Yeah. But at the same time, we're controlling games more than ever before. Um. Yet we don't look like we're going to win enough games due to the lack of goal threat. Yet it's the same players as last season. I, this is where I'm sort of, I really do struggle to get my head around this. But seeing as we are in January, and it would be remiss of us for, not to, for us to not at least mention it. But do you, do you think a striker, whether it's Ivan Tony or any of the ones we've been linked with, really comes in and, and changes this or even a winger? Or, or do you think it's just our style of play now is, is set in such a way that, we're not gonna. I don't know. We're not gonna play swashbuckling football anymore. I I think th- there is an element of the latter that we aren't gonna play that sort of carefree attacking football. But what I do think is, I think we are an attacker short. Whether that is a traditional centre forward or whether it is a wide um, uh, attacking player, I I don't. I think we are one short of what we need. Um, I mean, but by by the 
obviously it looks very nice in the last last game that we've got obviously Martinelli off the bench to score twice and Trossard to get one as well. But I just think the 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 thing that concerned me about the Palace game, just to sort of take a couple steps back, is that the goals we scored, obviously we scored twice from a set piece uh, set pieces which took the pressure off of um of the game itself. And then that meant that Palace had to come out a little bit more than they probably would have done had we not scored those goals. And obviously that then allowed us to have the space on the counter-attack and to create those opportunities. We're not, we, we weren't challenged in the things that really test us on a usual basis, which is that low block that we really struggle to break down. So I think it's, it's, it's difficult to read too much into our attacking prowess on the back of a 5-0 win against Palace. Because we just haven't we haven't been tested in the things that have clearly caused us problems. Mm. Um, but going back to your original point, I, 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 it seems obviously incredibly unlikely that we're going to go into the transfer market due to sort of financial restrictions. Um, but I think I think we're we're one player short, and I think we are the the way we play is going to cause this regardless of who plays for us. Um, mm. I, I, I don't think bringing in Ivan Tony as an example is would be like a transformative signing as we've had in previous years with, with certain players. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a weird one. It's a weird one, the whole attacking thing, because lots of people who I, who I speak to who know that I go, go regularly um, always say to me, oh, Arsenal need to sign a striker. And it's just like, I, don't, I don't think it's that straightforward. I really mm. don't, and I think your your opinion has usually echoed that quite similarly. <laughs> yeah, what, what I was going to say, but I, I think you know, I do think that last season, I, I think there's two more things to add because I think what you've said about it being transformative, Jesus and Zinchenko last summer were transformative. Absolutely. Now, our transformative signing this year has made us more defensively secure. Well, that's not very exciting to watch. Watching no. Declan Rice nicking the ball ahead of someone and you have no idea how he's made up the ground is not as exciting to watch. However, I mean, for me, <laughs> I find that far more exciting than an inverted fullback, let me tell you. Someone nicking it in midfield, breaking up play and distributing it to the playmaker. I mean, that is, for me, that is, whew, that is exciting Ele- stuff. Electric <laughs> football. Uh, honestly, for me, but it's, it's what we needed, right? It, I, yeah, I'd, absolutely. I'd be desperate for that player. Like it's watching him tear around the pitch, nicking it, winning it. He's just—I love Declan Rice so much. But it's not as exciting as watching Party on the half turn send someone to Sainsbury's, turning his shoulder, slapping it up to Odegaard, who plays a through ball to Saka, and away we go. But we didn't win every game last season, and Thomas Party's got the fitness of an asthmatic ant. So I, I do think that <laughs> we've got to consider that, well, I mean, we'd be a totally different team with him and Rice, by the way. I still think him, Rice and Odegaard as a midfield, as we enter the latter stages of the Champions League, that starts to make me excited again. I digress. Um, I think because we haven't had the transformative attacking signing, we don't feel the same way. It is honestly how I feel. I do think we're a winger short because what I saw on Saturday was look what it looks like when we have freshness off the bench with a bit of pace. And 
I think it's no coincidence that M- Martinelli comes on, scores two goals against a tiring Palace team, and we score two late on. If that was happening more often, we'd be excited and, and I think excited about us as an attacking force. Um, we are the only team that's scored five in a game so far this season. We've done it twice. Yet again, we are the team that can't score and aren't very attacking. So sometimes we might need to take a, a bit of a reality check of what's going on across the grounds uh, and other teams sometimes. Yeah, I, I think so. And I also think um, the the level of disrespect that Gabriel Jesus gets is oh. is is criminal because what he brings to a side is is incredible. Like the way he brings other players into a game and his awareness of what's around him is is a joy to watch. Yes, he's not the most clinical striker in the world. Yes, he's not going to be a guy that gets you 20, 30 goals a season. But what he does bring is so valuable. I'd rather have him in my team than not in my team. Mm. Do, do, do you agree that he's not prolific enough for us to go and win something? I think... If we were performing in terms of the numbers like Odegaard, Saka and Martinelli were getting last season, if we were performing with that sort of level this this campaign and with those sort of numbers, I think we'd be having a different conversation. Um, and I do, th- I do think there are, obviously, the, the example I'm going to give is when we lost to West Ham, obviously, he had a, a really big, big chance with a header at the back post. Mm. And obviously, like chances like that are the ones that you you do question whether he's the striker you need. But I, I, I don't know. Like when I, I'm going to sort of go on a bit of a, a bit of a tangent here. But when I went to when we went to um, Seville for the uh, Champions League game, um, I went back to uh, Malaga uh, the day after the game, and there was a, a couple of Man City fans that I was talking to when I was there, and they were so adamant that the best campaign that he had for them was when he played right wing. <laughs> And interesting that they were really adamant about that, and they said they they love him as a footballer, but his best outlet for them was when he played in that position. So maybe that's something to think about as well. And that was um, I, I found that really interesting because obviously we were talking about him, and he just scored that that beautiful goal um, mm. away to Sevilla, um, and I was obviously waxing lyrical about him, but. There is obviously limitations within his game, but I think there's so few players that don't have limitations to their game. <laughs> like we, we, it's a very, very elite list of players that <laughs> that you can't criticise, and he's obviously going to have his his criticisms. That's why Man City let him go to us because they obviously felt that they could afford to do that. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a weird one. Obviously, I I, I do love him. I, I love having him in a side, but I I would like another player who is maybe a little bit more clinical. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's interesting, isn't it? Because maybe he is the other winger, and maybe having him play some games as striker um, would make a difference. I do think as well. I think he, two things are massively overlooked. He's missed huge chunks of the season already. Yeah, and maybe he's not been fully fit, and maybe we're only just about to see him be fully fit. And Martinelli had the same thing. 
I think people forget he went off, he scored against Everton, a goal that was disallowed by an, an inch. And then he got injured and he's not really been the same player since. And maybe yeah. he's just starting to come back as well. I, I often think we, we underestimate that, especially with younger players like Martinelli. With Jesus, it's a slightly different story, of course. Um, yeah. I think more generally, I, I do think we need another option somewhere along the attacking line. I agree yeah. with that sentiment, though. I do think Jesus is probably the closest thing we could have in terms of ball progression, security, dribbling, um, effectiveness as Saka is. Um, I, I honestly think that will start to make a bit of a difference. But we'll we'll wait and see. I mean, for me, my hopes, just because we talked about expectations, I strongly feel as though our best hope is a Champions League run because I think that would be, if we got to say a semi-final... I honestly think that would be the thing that we yearn for. We all want the league. Of course we do. I'm not. But I just think when you look at it, I actually think our best chance of silverware now is the Champions League. And I also think we've got barely any chance in that. But I think what what could really help this team into future seasons and propel them is knocking out a Real Madrid, an Inter Milan, a European giant. My dream is to knock out Harry Kane. Just on the Are you talking uh, uh, physically or? <laughs> I I got to be honest. I look at Harry Kane. I look at me. I think um, I think I'd comfortably lose that fight. Um, I might nope. dislike him more than he dislikes me, but I'm I'm not going to pretend. Look at the size of his head. I mean, his <laughs> mouth. One, is... one swift headbutt and you're down. <laughs> I'm down. I'm straight down. Also, he's got a massive mouth as well, so he's probably got iron teeth or something. Um, he probably covered me in dribble before I got close. Anyway, um, <laughs> so unnecessary. Um, <laughs> but I think that's the thing that I think I hope for this season: knocking out a European giant to make it to a semi-final. So if we beat Porto, as I really hope we do, that would be the feeling I want this season, and that would make me feel Champions League semi-final. If we come third or second, I just don't think we can win the league. For me, that would represent a really good season. Um, and real, real progress. I mean, just to think about what the Emirates would be like fizzing on that warm, balmy April night uh, where the light, it doesn't get dark till roughly 10 o'clock and we're kicking off in a Champions League semi-final. I mean, that's the feeling I want this season, what that's going to feel like. So that's my major, major hope and, um, uh, you know, belief that we can get there as well. Yeah, I think... uh... I, I I do tend to agree that I think we probably have a, a better better opportunity in the Champions League. Again, I, I I will preface it by saying what you just said is that I don't expect us to go and win the Champions League, but no, particularly don't. if we if we beat Porto, then all of a sudden you're in the quarterfinals. You never know what can happen. Then you get a favourable draw, and then start to build a bit of confidence. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I think that's been a really fun episode to to record. Um, obviously, uh, I think we should be doing this a bit more regularly because we're having fries from our fan base that we're not producing <laughs> enough content for them. Um, before we end the podcast, I am going to do a quick plug for my uh, uh, blogs that I've been writing on our website, which is www.theboysinredandwhite.com. And... On that, I'm populating that quite frequently with lots of content, uh, both um, match reports, um, 
previews, but also some historical content as well. So if anyone's interested in reading that, that would be really good to get some feedback on. Um, anyway, Andre, thank you very much for your time as always. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Um, and hopefully we'll be back very soon with another podcast. And I think we should really make a concerted effort to make sure that we, we get those penciled in. Much like Arsenal strikers, Tom, we need to up our game and then everyone will be delighted. As we saw to the mid-table of the podcast charts, but our team saw to the top of the league. Absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. We'll be back very soon with another one. And we hope everyone out there is doing well and looking forward to Arsenal winning a Champions League Premier League double. Thank you and goodbye. (laughs)